Hey, y'all. This is Kat Jones, your host. Today is February 3rd, 2020. It was a good sports ball yesterday. This is queer all year. Hey, everyone. What's up? This is Kat Jones, your host. Uh, today is February 3rd, 2020, and I am joined, as always, by my executive producer, sound producer, bro, McGee. Bring down the milk mob! There is a milk mob, you guys. Like, I'm not supposed to know that, but there is. It's not garbage, it's milk. Uh, yeah, so, today is February 3rd, but it's actually February 2nd, and we're actually recording... We think we figured out 13 hours before the big game. So, 16. 16 hours before the big game that we're not allowed to say the name of just in case because they're very litigious. Uh, so we don't know who won. And we're just not going to... Because I, I don't know. I'm going to take my dog Ike upstairs and we're going to watch the Puppy Bowl. I think we're going to root for Team Fluff. Maybe. They're pretty cute. But so is the other one. Anyway, this is queer all year. I think I said that. Uh, February 3rd, yep. Um, I think later on I'm gonna talk about, um, Katie Sowers. Sowers? I can't remember how to pronounce her name. Huh. But, um, the assistant coach of the 49ers. And I uh, get to say this, like, diplomatically because I don't know who wins. And also, she's a groundbreaking person just by existing and being amazing and wonderful. So, but first, we are gonna talk about Facebook. Um, if you would like to, please go out and like our Facebook page, Queer All Year, and join our Facebook group, Queer All Year Fam, and have some conversations out there. Like, let us know what you think about the episodes, what we can do better, what you like, what you had for dinner, um, just like how amazingly queer we all are, that kind of thing. Um, if you would like to find us on Twitter and Instagram, we are Queer All Year Pod on everything. We are also Queer All Year Pod out on Patreon if you would like to subscribe, donate out there, get some bonus episodes, just like a little disclaimer. We have apparently made the Patreon like kind of chill and we're not really apparently policing our language as much as we do on this podcast, which by which I mean we don't curse on this podcast and we say a little bit in the Patreon just because it's me and McGee chilling and it's cool. Um, so yeah, you should go out, check those out. In At the $1 level, you get bloopers that uh, are clean, I believe, because they're cut from our episodes. We don't curse on our episodes. Yeah. So um, it would also be great if you could subscribe to the podcast and go out and rate us wherever you listen, especially on Apple Podcasts. Helps us a lot. Really boosts us up in the rankings. Um, we would love five-star reviews. Um, I saw today that we have a three-star review, but the person did not leave an actual like review. You know, It's just a rating, not a review. Um, if you are that person and you're still listening, we would love it if you could let us know what that was for because I am constantly looking for things that I can improve because I am constantly worried that you guys might think that I'm not doing justice to our subjects or anything like that. Um, just constant, constant, while I'm asleep, everything. So I would, if you have constructive criticism or any sort of criticism, just, um, whatever, that would be really, if you're going to leave us an, a, a, 
four or less star review, like definitely let us know what's going on in your head because that is that'd be really helpful for us. We want to make it as great as we can for everybody, you know. So yeah, that's just my thing. Like, go rate review us. I mean, five stars boosts us up the most. But honestly, I just would like your guys' feedback because I do this for you. You know, I don't. I don't do this for myself. My mental health is just exploding. I do it for you. I love you and also this kind of helps. Weirdly. I like this anxiety. Anyway, today um, we're going to talk about kind of a smaller topic. And then we're going to like try and talk about a huge topic that I intend to do a long episode on. But also need... I mean, I know everything, but I need to arrange thoughts into everything. So, um, so that everything I just said is going to be distilled into this story, hopefully in a coherent way. So first we're going to start out with the easier one, the one that doesn't make me sound like I'm out of my mind, kind of, um, which is about in 1978. Um, the Anglican Church of Canada uh, endorsed equal treatment for homosexual persons. Um, they released kind of a statement um, that they're doing a study at the time. Um, kind of, it's been a ongoing look into like human sexuality and like, you know, looking at how it was being seen by like academics and in um, popular culture type ways since it was like in the 70s it was like people were starting to to be like oh these these people are all around what's happening so they were they had a task force put together um to you know look at i guess what's going on with what's going on with the queers so um they were still reviewing it and apparently, I mean, they seem like overwhelmed in this release that they put out. They're like, we don't even know. We don't even know right now. But, quote, We believe as Christians that homosexual persons as children of God have a full and equal claim with all other persons upon the love, acceptance, concern, and pastoral care of the church. The gospel of Jesus Christ compels Christians to guard against all forms of human injustice and to affirm that all persons are brothers and sisters for whom Christ died. We affirm that homosexual persons are entitled to equal protection under the law with all other Canadian citizens, which I like a lot. Um, you know, it's still... And there's, like, stuff going on now where they... I don't know if they backed off on that a little, but they're a little... And they've kind of backed off on, like, uh, marriage equality, but they've also kind of not. It's interesting, but this is 1978. This is what they've decided um, based on the research they've been doing, which is pretty interesting for a church, I think. It's very, at the, it's at the highest levels. They're saying, like, equal protection. Now, they do go on to say, they go on to misspell covenant, and uh, then say that only men and women can get married according to the church um, because that's how we discover insights into the nature and purpose of sexuality. Uh, 
rooted in God's creative purpose is the fulfillment and completion of male and female in each other, together with the procreative function of sexuality. So then that goes, um, like, way off the road for, like, what they just said, kind of. No. What they said before was legally and, like, in the spirit of Christianity, which is something I really like. I really love, like, affirming churches, and that's kind of, like I've talked about before, free mom hugs. That's a big thing that they're about, and I just, I don't know. I like it a lot. Then, um, but then, like, going on and saying, like, but you can't get married, and um, you're supposed to be having sex for procreation. It's like, mm, I don't know about that. But I still am a little kind of blown away that this was, like, 1978. This was, like, this would be almost like one of those hippie churches. Like, yeah, man, free love, but, like, no marriage, but, like, Christians are for loving. Which I love. It's supposed to be a loving religion. Um, that's really kind of all I've got on that because it's re I think it's really interesting that they were just like they had this task force and they were like we are doing so much reading into this and we this is all we can say right now which I'm gonna have to read more of that it's very interesting um and I guess kind of the reason this is like I'm like mumbling on right here is because like this next part <laughs> this next one is a lot so um to, on this day in 2011, the um, National Gay and Lesbian Task Force issued their um, Transgender Discrimination Report. It's uh, Injustice at Every Turn Report on the National Transgender Discrimination Survey. And so that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> and I want to say up front that I am, I'm not trans, and um, as you will see later on in this topic, uh, I am not a person of color and that is what I've been that is a term I've been told to use so if that is not the term I should use please let me know but that is the one I've been told to use person of color so if that sounds awful coming out of my mouth I, I apologize please let me know um, so that's just I wanted to give background on that um, these are not then my personal experiences these are the experiences I hear from our community and from this report and from the news and the world and, you know, just not ignoring things I've seen in the news and stuff. So this is me reporting on facts and not giving personal experience and I wish I could and I am working on getting guests on the podcast. Um, I may someday, hopefully. Um, I would really like to give you guys personal experiences from everything I cover, except for the bad stuff. I don't know. Anyway, so this report is a lot. Um, overall, the transgender community, of course, faces a lot of discrimination, um, and it shows that it, it's across all all parts of life. It's employment, uh, like living, transportation, like, I mean, some grocery stores, you know, won't let people who aren't gender conforming or whatever shop there. And I mean, like, I guess this is actually kind of 
from a Kansas point of view. I guess I'm not sure how it is other places, but Kansas is uh Kansas is fun. Huh. Um so basically um the biggest discrimination issue, well, they're all issues, but the the people who are discriminated against the most are trans women of color. And this is not talked about really at all, unless you're really paying attention, like going out and like actively getting involved in the advocacy and, um, you know, kind of research type of stuff. Um, I was aware of it and trying to be, you know, part of the discussion you know, before I started doing this podcast, but after starting this, I've kind of realized like, oh, so people, when they say people aren't talking about it, they really mean people aren't talking about it. Like I talk about it all the time, but I'm in a, an organization and, you know, on the board of things and I have to keep up with stuff and, you know, so it, yeah, this has opened my eyes a lot to like the struggles of just erasure and I knew that existed in the like in the transgender community just in the in the general population I feel like a general population would rather erase the transgender community which is you know erasure erasure I can't talk today um but really um we had um a murder like a, a couple months ago um of a trans woman of color and gosh in Kansas City and it actually got a little bit of press here locally which was amazing um in a terrible way um but murder among the trans community just people just hate crimes and stuff we we don't know those numbers like this study can't tell us the numbers of hate crimes and murders and all that against transgender people because that is so hidden. It is so swept under the rug. Like, um, victims will be dead named in the press. And, um, if you're not, if you're not aware, uh, dead named is the name that you were assigned at birth. Um, it's generally the name, um, of, you know, the opposite sex that, was assigned to you and so you pick your your new name you pick your real name because that's your name that's your expression that's who you are so when you're dead named in the press or wherever if someone dead names you they're using the name that you don't want anymore you you have not taken that name because it's not you and that happens a lot when crime is reported murders people will not use the person's real name. They dead name them. Their family dead names them, hides the fact that they were trans. Um, they're not reported as murders. They're, um, hmm, I don't want to necessarily say this a lot, but I think I've said it before. Um, it's kind of an uh, NHI situation. No humans involved, which is, you know, horrible, horrible things like that. Um, just it's just not reported and we can't find we can't find information on it when it's so under the rug when the only reason you know that someone was trans is because their friend on Facebook like or 
someone out on Twitter like tweeted it like and I mean you can mass all the statistics about every single person who was murdered in the United States and you know you can't necessarily like somehow amass a database of tweets that say you know no wait this person was actually trans and you need to use their real name or, or report it as you know a hate crime or something so I'm I'm just like riffing right now because it's frustrating it's 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 really really frustrating to not be able to know the statistics and not be able to know where to focus attention and help and things like that you know like everywhere everyone everywhere should receive equal treatment and you know equal care and all that but areas that really need to like be focused on so we can get that achieved we just don't have the stats for that um especially for people of color and it's gonna it it is gonna keep coming back to that you guys because that is what it is also i've got to stop using the term you guys because it is gendered and honestly i don't like saying it and it just it's just part of stuff that comes out of my mouth and i promise i'm actively working on it um so the general population um the uh, number of murders per year per year it seems like a lot is um your likelihood to be murdered in the as general population is one in 19,000 um the murder rate for black trans women is one in 2600 and that's between ages 15 and 34 so that is over seven times higher than just the general population um between and the data i have is kind of old because like i said it's hard to get the information um there is a thing out there called the trans murder monitoring project um that does collect every single news article it can find about you know a trans person who has been murdered or part of a hate crime but they well not part of a hate crime because the thing is that it can't then go through and determine if something was a hate crime or if someone was like murdered for drugs and they didn't know or someone like was just it was a fight or whatever you know it can't d differentiate that but i bring that up because that is the source i use most often um like at the end of the year when the hrc and wikipedia and everything reports how many trans people were murdered that year you know like it's like 24 people are you kidding me no and the trans murder monitoring project has you know like a couple hundred just in the united states alone it's it's like no you guys how hard are we looking at this because 24 isn't right it's just it's just not and like i said the numbers aren't there um so the data i have from 2010 to 2016 it's reported that there were 111 transgender slash gender non-conforming murders. 111 between 2010 and 2016. Like, that's not correct. I mean, anyone who's in, like, the queer community knows that's not correct. And of those 111, 72% were trans women of color. So that's freaky. That's, I mean... It's upsetting and annoying that I even have to say this, that it's not okay 
that we're not talking about this, that we're not talking about trans discrimination, we're not talking about the victimization of trans women of color. Um, trans women in general are like twice as likely to be discriminated against across everything. Um, and they are most likely to be put in jail and most likely to be put in with the male population. And, you know, it's, it's just a fact that I think people don't want to hear because it's inconvenient for us to have to be like, oh, it's another thing. Yeah, it's another thing and it's a really big thing. It's, it's possibly the biggest thing right now that we should be working on and we're not. And I just, I don't know what to do about it. Um, but the Trans Women of Color Collective seems to kind of know what to do about it a little. Um, they are providing support for trans people of color. And again, I'm saying of color um, because that's what I've been told to use. They say black and brown people on there, um, but I'm not going, I'm not going to, I feel like that's their words and I don't want to feel like I'm taking from anything. So, um, and again, tell me if I'm being like stupid about this or using wrong terms, things, guys, please give me feedback on this. Um, but so they are providing support. They're empowering youth, um, which is big. It's really big. Like youth suicide right now in the trans community is just higher than any other demographic that you could possibly think of and so empowering the youth to know that you guys are worth something you guys are worthwhile you're worth as much as anyone else and you the fight you're gonna go through is perfectly like something worthwhile that it's it sucks it sucks so much but you deserve to be you you are perfect as as you are inside you know like it doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks and it's just why does everyone care and I just don't it's frustrating that I have to say this to youth that this has to be the next generation's fight it's it's our fight right now but it, it's gonna be won by the next generation through suffering and through crap and it's terrible um, and so these organizations like the trans women of color collective is they're just so important to be like fighting for our basic rights to you know for us to help our fellow people and then even the next level down to empower you know trans people of color trans people people you know these people are people and it's frustrating gosh sorry um hmm so another thing about the trans women of color collective is that they provide financial support to um basically their survival fund is i mean like if you need a pair of shoes and can't buy one if you are a trans person of color you can like contact them and they will give you money for a pair of shoes or like basically it's like if you need financial help and you reach out to them they are just amazingly wonderful they 
they are so compassionate and they are building such great spaces and, and empowering people so much. And it it is really good to see organizations like that when the world looks like it doesn't have them. And it's, you know, and that's why I'm bringing them up because they were one I found. And if people don't know they exist, then, you know, if I have a platform and I can promote them, I'm going to, you know, I don't know how many people will listen to this and care or will make it this far into the episode because I've either been offensive or I've rambled on too much or who knows what I do. Um, you know, it's, it's just important that I reach you guys, you guys, I reach you all, you all reach out to others and that's how it spreads in this community. Like I hate to say it, that's how knowledge and support and education and love spreads in our community. It's not going to be in the news. Big surprise. Um, it is kind of in the news here in Kansas. There, um, the Trans Women of Color Collective actually was part of a lawsuit last year with um, our K-STEP. Oh, gosh, I can't remember what K-STEP stands for. But there was a big lawsuit about being able to change your marker on your birth certificate and it was such a fight and it was um they were working with the southern poverty law center i believe and um they actually won the case which is amazing to win it out here in kansas and um i had like um the president of the organization i'm in um luke is um he was part of it and um our um, Stephanie Mott was a really great, just a huge activist here in Kansas. And, um, she, she died like just right before they won the lawsuit. Um, but it was like, it was, it was surprising. I think like, I really, you know, I don't want to say I didn't believe in it, but I, you know, kind of deep down living in Kansas, I wasn't expecting anything to come of it. And, you know, there was kind of general despair after Stephanie died. Um, but the fact that it went through, it's amazing. And that it happened um, partially because of the Trans Women of Color Collective. I did not know that until I started doing the research for this episode. Like, that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm promoting this group that I cannot believe I have not heard of. I Like I said, I am on the board of an organization here. Didn't know what's wrong with me. So yeah, let's, let's all go be a little proactive. And um, I am saying that to myself as well. I'm shocked with myself and upset. And like I'm, I'm talking to you all, I'm telling you things, and yet I am myself like ignorant to things that I really should know. And that's, this podcast is kind of opening my eyes to that. Um, I hope it's opening your eyes to any blind spots you have. Um, this, um, this kind of, I want to do a whole episode kind of on Black History Month because that's what February is, but also I don't know that I'm the right person to do that. Um, so this is kind of my contribution a little because it's not my arena I guess um, just 
you know, getting this information out about, you know, how we're failing as a, you know, as a, as a human race. Whew. Um, but we're also succeeding sometimes. And um, if South Dakota will stop doing whatever they're doing, maybe we'll have some other successes. South Dakota is... I'm going to bring up South Dakota in every single episode until y'all, like, fire whoever's writing your laws. Um, so there's really no great way to, huh, to transition out of that topic. I That was a stupid thing to pop into my mind. Uh, that was not a joke. What the heck? So there's no good way to get out of that topic in a positive way. So I am just, like, swerving into talking about Katie Sowers. McGee is laughing at me. Yeah, because I'm awful. She is the assistant coach of the 49ers, which is a team that's in the big game. Yesterday, I guess. Today for us, yesterday for... I don't know what's happening. Um, and it's really cool that she's... She's just a really cool person. You know, I just want to talk about her. She's really... She's from Kansas. She's a Kansas girl. And she... Um, won a gold medal like their team won a gold medal at the um u.s women or it's the united states women's team at the world women's world championships so she's she plays football like football like not soccer football which i i do call soccer football and people get mad at me um but like Heck yeah, you know? I mean, we had um, a female kicker on our football team in high school, and everyone was like, what is that? And I'm like, it's good. It's person, you know? But so that was that was Kansas as far as I knew, uh, you know, football. And we have, like, football players. I love it so much. And I'm so excited to be able to talk about, you know, a female football player that, like, has made it all the way to the big game and has had so many successes in life and is like, you know, Kansas and and LGBT and like the first woman to bring her team to the Super Bowl. I mean, it's not, you know, her team alone, but, you know, she's so like, so in the world championships, um, they were in the, in the, their game against Germany. Um, she had five interceptions and returned three for touchdowns you guys you all I don't know anything about sports I know nothing about sports ball and even I know that's amazing that's incredible and so yeah she um came out as a as lesbian in um 2013 I believe but um everything I read is like she admitted or she you know finally it's like, um, I don't know if you want to say admitted. Like, it's not an admission. It's just, you know, you didn't, like, beat it out of her. You know, like, admit it. It's just kind of like, yeah, okay. It's, I don't know. I don't like the word ad ad admission. Um, anyway, so is she, I cannot talk about her enough in, in the detail I would like to. She has a sister who she played football with. And no one mentions that. She played for a Kansas City team. She 
um, was coached by, well, not coached, but like got advice from the Chiefs coach at the time, who is the team that they they did play against. They will be playing against for us. Did play against. Um, she's the yeah. So I hope you all and if you watched the big game, I hope you all enjoyed it. That I hope that they played, you know, real well both sides. I guess I don't know. It's it's history making, and I don't know that it it really stinks that it has to be history making. I guess um, that. We have to say, oh, hey, it's the first LGBT coach ever at the big game. Um, but it is, you know? And so I'm going to put it in our history book, which is this. So, yeah, Katie Sowers. I hope I'm saying her name right. Big game, exciting. I know nothing about sports while you guys, my dog and I are going to watch the Puppy Bowl. Um, but anyway, this has been a weird episode. And hopefully you've made it this far with us. Um, you guys, you all, I'm going to stop saying you guys, you all are amazing. You have the ability to make the world better for yourself and your fellow people, your fellow humans, everyone around you. We've got to be better at raising each other up and at calling people out when they discriminate against our family and you're a big important role in that and we love you.